0: This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot slash operate dash differently.
1: Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash Daily Drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News, joining today from Baltimore. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show. Our president chose to stand up with workers in our fight for economic and social
2: justice. That's the message from UAW President Sean Fein during a historic first for a U.S. President. Details on President Joe Biden's picket line visit coming up. Auto suppliers urge Biden to provide financial assistance, and more than three million vehicles are being recalled for fire risk. Plus, we'll hear from Hague Partners President Alan Hague about the state of the dealership buy-sell market amid some huge deals that are in the works.
3: The largest retailers in our industry are all seeking growth. They're willing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, travel across oceans, Mm -hmm. in the search (laughs) of dealership opportunities. And the appetite we have across the country is undiminished, I would say, from last year,
1: even the year before. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. President Joe Biden stood with striking workers at a General Motors parts depot on Tuesday, showing support for the UAW during its strike against the Detroit Three. In doing so, he's believed to be the first sitting U.S. president to join a union picket line. Biden wore a black hat with the UAW logo, held a megaphone, and delivered his message to workers.
2: You guys, UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices. Gave up a lot. And the companies
3: were in trouble. Now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing
1: incredibly well, too. UAW President Sean Fain, who has withheld the union's official endorsement of Biden's re-election bid, said he appreciated the president's support. After Biden arrived at the airport, Fain rode in the presidential limo with him to the picket line, A source familiar with the visit said Fain and Biden discussed UAW members' contract demands as well as the need for a just transition to electric vehicles. Fain invited Biden to the picket line last week when he expanded the strike against GM and Stellantis. Ford was spared from additional walkouts after progress was reported at the bargaining table. Tonight, former President Donald Trump, the Republican frontrunner in the 2024 presidential race, is scheduled to visit an automotive supplier of engine and transmission parts near Detroit. Today marks the 13th day of the historic strike.
2: UAW member Marlise Davenport said she appreciated Biden's visit.
0: You know, knowing that he is supporting us is, and then him being here, actually knowing for a fact that he's standing with us and that's our thing, you know, stand up. And so knowing that he's standing up with us and having our president, Sean Fain, here as well was completely amazing. Having both presidents here supporting us. It, it was amazing.
2: A White House spokesperson said Biden did not have any meetings scheduled with auto executives while in Michigan. The Detroit Three all issued statements this week. Stellantis said Monday it had already matched Biden's call for a record contract. The company said it stands ready to sign a historic contract that positions the company to continue providing good jobs. Ford insinuated that it did not want outside help at the bargaining table in its statement Monday. It said, Ford and the UAW are going to be the ones to solve this by finding creative solutions to tough issues together at the bargaining table. And GM said Tuesday that it remained focused on negotiations. The company's statement read, quote, Our focus is not on politics, but continues to be on bargaining in good faith with the UAW leadership to reach an agreement as quickly as possible that rewards our
1: workforce and allows GM to succeed and thrive into the future. Also on Tuesday, auto suppliers urged Biden to provide federal assistance to help auto parts companies grappling with the strike. In a letter, the Motor and Equipment Manufacturers Association, or MEMA, said, without federal assistance, the ability of the automotive industry to resume full manufacturing capacity is at risk. MIMA includes the Original Equipment Suppliers Association and aftermarket suppliers. The group wants the Biden administration to provide low-interest loans and consider loan forgiveness for struggling small suppliers. The White House did not immediately comment. It has previously declined to comment on whether it is considering programs to support auto suppliers. Some auto suppliers have already cut production and furloughed workers during the strike. Switching gears, Kia America and Hyundai
2: Motor America are recalling more than 3 million vehicles in the U.S. for separate issues that could cause an engine compartment fire. Both automakers are urging vehicle owners to park outside and away from structures until repairs are completed. The Kia recall affects about 1.7 million vehicles for an issue with the Hydraulic Electric Control Unit that could cause an electrical short that can trigger an engine compartment fire while parked or driving. Kia has said it was not aware of any injuries, crashes or deaths. Hyundai is recalling about 1.6 million vehicles in the US for an issue with the anti-lock brake system module. In Canada, the recall affects about 327,000. The module could leak brake fluid internally and cause an electrical short resulting in an engine compartment fire while parked or driving. The automaker said there have been no crashes, injuries, or deaths. A full
1: list of the affected vehicles is available at autonews.com. And finally today, AutoNation has joined the Pendragon bidding war. It's the third publicly traded U.S. auto retailer to submit an offer for Pendragon, a large dealership group in the U.K. Pendragon said in a regulatory filing that it received an unsolicited proposal from AutoNation to acquire the company. Reuters valued the AutoNation offer at about $544 million. In the filing, Pendragon said its board will consider the proposal. Last week, Lithia said it planned to buy Pendragon's dealership and fleet business in a $350 million deal. Two days after Lithia's deal was announced, Pendragon said it received a joint offer from Penske Automotive Group through its PAG International subsidiary together with Sweden's Hedden Mobility Group. Pendragon rejected that deal. Then Friday, Penske and Hedden submitted a revised offer to buy Pendragon, upping the price to about 39 cents a share, the same as the new AutoNation bid. Pendragon said it is considering that proposal as well. And those
2: are today's headlines. So, Jamie, President Joe Biden standing side by side with UAW President Sean Fein. Do you think former President Trump will get the same embrace? Uh,
1: no, he will not. Uh, while the UAW has withheld its official endorsement of Biden so far, the leadership is no fan of former President Trump. Uh, Sean Fein has really spoken out aggressively against him. And the fact that he's going to a non-union supplier, you know, there's, Just not going to be a lot of UAW members in there, maybe not even a lot of union members. Uh, There surely will be some, and he has made some inroads with blue-collar voters, but that was more 2016, uh, less so in 2020, and certainly not going to be getting UAW uh, official support in this election. Definitely not a shocker. Uh, Coming up, the
2: bidding war over Pendragon in the UK highlights some interesting competitive dynamics in the auto retail industry and the dealership-buy-sell market. We'll hear more about that from Alan Haig of Haig Partners, next on Daily Drive.
3: The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating, but is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary
1: possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that.
3: Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener
2: future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the
3: highest levels.
1: I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but but we, we don't.
3: Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how
2: and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were.
2: You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo it's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently.
0: Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit rayray.com slash operate differently to get started. That's reyrey.com slash operate dash differently.
1: Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The story of the dealership buy-sell market lately has been that it's still a buzz in 2023, even without the wave of mega-deals seen in 2021. But with the developing bidding war over Pendragon in the UK, pitting three of the largest retailers in the industry against each other, things are getting pretty interesting yet again. I got a chance to catch up here in Baltimore with Alan Haig, president of buy-sell advising firm Haig Partners. Alan Haig, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you, Jamie. It's fun to be here with you. So we've got uh, quite a bidding war going on now in the news. This was a surprise. A couple Sundays ago, I'm on the phone with Brian DeBoer, and he's telling me about his plans for this uh, Pendragon and Pinewood Technologies. It's really exciting. And then Penske got in the, in the bidding. And then just this week, now AutoNation has joined too. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of all this activity? I'd say it's a little bit of deja vu all over again for me
3: personally. This story takes me back to 2005, sitting and watching my kids play soccer at Holiday Park in Fort Lauderdale. And I got a phone call from Mike Jackson asking me to come back to the office. And when I arrived, he and Mike Marini were there, a couple of other executives. And they talked about wanting to make uh, an offer on Asbury Automotive. Penske had placed an offer to purchase that company. And Mike Jackson wanted AutoNation to participate and acquire that that's, uh, dealership group. So I spent the last or the next three and a half weeks in a conference room at Skadden Arps in New York, <laughs> trying to structure that offer. Despite a lot of effort on AutoNation's part, ultimately the deal just wasn't supported by the factories. And so AutoNation withdrew its offer and you know, Asbury's is as an independent public company to this day. So uh this bidding war reminds me of, of that event, uh, except here, I don't think the factories will be blocking the acquisition. They're in separate continents. Mm-hmm. The consolidation that the factories are concerned about in the U.S. doesn't apply here. So ultimately, I think one of these retailers is gonna end up winning that business. I regret that they're not using that capital to invest in, in the U.S. auto market because I feel like the more they invest in the U.S. on buying, on buying dealerships, that supports all of their existing stores in the US. They have more products for consumers, a better brand that they can promote to consumers. They can attract and retain more talented people at the stores and frankly become stronger in the US. When they go to the UK, there's, they're not necessarily gonna improve the position of that company in the UK just by buying it. So I personally wish that they would you know, just give up on expanding internationally. There's still so much room here in the US for growth But that's what these executives are chasing. So they must see an opportunity that I don't.
1: Mm -hmm. With Lithia, uh, they clearly have some strategic plans for Pinewood Technologies, uh, wanting to bring that cloud-based DMS uh, here to North America. Uh, So I can see some strategic advantage there that maybe goes beyond just making an investment in the retail operations. And I guess with Penske, they are... Uh, already have a pretty substantial footprint in the UK. So maybe there's some some synergy or some cost savings connecting there. It's not as clear to me on AutoNation, although maybe they just don't want to be left out when the other two big players in the US are also have a foot in the UK. Well,
3: on the software side, I can't
1: say I really know that system. I don't think it exists in the US.
3: And I would say that the ex- existing vendors that we have in the US, whether it's CDK or Reynolds or Track almost every dealer is dissatisfied with those products. They think that they're expensive and awkward to use and the contracts can be onerous. They're always an issue in a buy-sell. How long is the remaining DMS contract and will the buyer accept it? So I could see, um, you know, Techion coming on strong. They've got a product that many people like. And so there is a need, a desire by U.S. dealers to have other choices for DMS vendors. I don't know how successful Lithium would be in selling that software system to its competitors. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened with Carvana Bot. Uh, the auction company, right? A lot of dealers just stopped using that auction altogether and went back to Cox and Mannheim. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if dealers would kick back against buying a program if they thought it was owned by and therefore benefiting its its competitor. Uh, I don't know how they thought that through, if that'll be an independent company or still be a subsidiary of Lithia if they bring it here.
1: I think what what he said, the intent was to form a joint venture with Pinewood. you know, So it probably would have a Pinewood brand or a whole new brand on it. Uh, but the dealers are going to okay. know. On the other hand, if it is superior, maybe you don't want to let the biggest player in the market have a tactical or strategic advantage.
3: Could be, I mean, if it is better and if it's cheaper, then why wouldn't you use it, so to speak, if it benefits you? But I think this story goes back to the larger story of consolidation and that the largest retailers in our industry are all seeking growth. They're willing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, travel across oceans Mm -hmm. in the search of dealership (laughs) opportunities. And we're still seeing that here in the U.S. I mean, we're in regular contact with these leading consolidators, as well as other family-owned dealership groups that are seeking growth. And, and I can tell you the pricing that we're seeing on the businesses that we're representing is still very strong. Blue skies, more than double what it was back in 2019 before the pandemic hit. And the appetite we have across the country is undiminished, I would say from last year, even the year before. Hmm. We're seeing pricing come down a little bit because earnings are coming down. I think the public companies released their earnings for the first uh, six months. They're down about 18% from where they were the first six months of last year. Most people anticipated that earnings would come down as production increased and margins come down. We also have higher interest rates. That's putting a little bit of pressure on dealers' margins because sometimes places like Chrysler, or Stellantis dealerships, they have quite a lot of vehicles in stock, Mm -hmm. which is going to benefit them during the
1: strike. (laughs) but it's been costing them the past few months with high floor plan expense. Yeah. Uh, So that's interesting that even as vehicles got expensive really during COVID have not come down much, but uh, it does seem like, you know, margins have started being compressed. We don't know how far that's going to go as inventories rebuild, or at least probably after the strike, um, you know, start building back up again. Um, but you're still seeing strong demand. Maybe not the we're not seeing the mega deals like we saw two years ago, but still a lot of activity. Yes. Well, we're still seeing large
3: deals. I mean, there was one that closed uh, earlier this month that was over a billion dollars. Right. We have a transaction working on now that's in that same price range, hmm. uh, as well as several others that are in the you know mid hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, so we're still seeing a lot of capital being handed from one dealer to to another owner. And then also the single store acquisitions are also still very popular. I mean, the, the easiest business for us to sell and the highest demand is someone says, "Hey, I have a Toyota store anywhere in the country." <laughs> I, I make a joke. I mean, I will be on my bike or on a plane to go see that dealer the next day or that very day because that's the most desirable asset today is, is a Toyota store, in my opinion. But other franchises are also high in demand. I mean, we have a uh, seen a lot of interest, particularly in Kia, Kia and Hyundai. Mm-hmm. Hyundai and Kia, the product quality, not just in terms of reliability, I think they've had that for many years, but the design of the products has become very appealing for customers. And I think if you go look at a a Kia and a Honda and a Toyota and a lot, just design-wise, I think many customers are saying, hey, the Kia is more interesting, more attractive, sexier, more innovative than some of the competitors. So I would say that the blue sky value of those two franchises, Hyundai and Kia, has increased over the past four years hmm. more than any other brands that I can think of.
1: Mm-hmm. We've seen the higher interest rates you know, spurred by the Federal Reserve and its Open Market Committee start to tamp down maybe some of the demand for vehicles, maybe other big purchases like homes. Is that affecting the buy-sell market? Is it making the cost of capital significantly higher? It is
3: having some impact. I talk with bankers who say things like, you know, when when a dealer comes to them for financing for an acquisition, they'll give a response to the dealer. Here's the financing package. Here's how much we'll loan you. Here's the interest rate. Here's the term. Some dealers are looking at that and they're deciding, well, that's too expensive. I'm not going to buy the business. Or they're saying that's too expensive. I'm just going to use cash. (laughs) Because we have to remember that the buyers are also enjoying profits that are 2X, 3X, 4X, what they were before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So they have a massive amount of cash, even after tax, even after paying down other other loans. They have this huge cash balance that's building up. And so far, very few people can identify a return on investment that's higher than an auto dealership. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's better than real estate. It's been better than the stock market. It's been better than most tech stocks. So a lot of dealers are saying, well, I don't really want to borrow money at 8%. But I'll use my cash hoard over here to buy that dealership. So some bankers are frustrated because they're having a hard time putting their balance sheet work. some either somebody won't buy the store or they'll just use their cash to, to finance the store. I talked to some dealers that are saying now, Hey, it used to be, I got no return on my cash. It was sitting in the bank account, getting me 0.5% interest. Now I can get 5% interest. So now I really do have an alternative to buying a store. Mm-hmm. I can just put it and buy T bills and get a five percent rate and not have to work and go to the golf course and have to deal with another <laughs> factory or another loan or another general, ma- general manager. It's easier for me to still get a desirable rate of return. Now they're really making nothing when you factor in inflation, but it's become an option for them. Whereas last year, the year before, they thought of course the thing to do is to buy another dealership.
1: Well, one more question, just to uh, kind of tie it all together. I mean, have we? been in this kind of situation before where interest rates have come up, but the dealers have the option to uh, spend their cash and we haven't really seen a diminishment of the market. I can't recall another period where we've
3: had back-to-back massive increases of profitability for dealers followed by massive interest rate increases. I think this is unique, at least in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. The last time that we had a big shock to the buy-sell market was in 2008, 2009, during the Great Recession, when uh, dealership cash flows fell, the average store was still profitable in comparison to factories that lost billions. In mm-hmm. fact, General Motors and Chrysler went bankrupt then. The average dealer was still profitable. But coming out of that, a lot of the buyers, the public company consolidators, their bank debt was trading at 50 cents on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar. They could go back and go buy their own securities back at a discount. So they weren't out buying more dealerships Mm -hmm. and many dealers that were independent didn't really want to sell their businesses when the cash flows were significantly lower than they had been historically. So for about a two year period, nothing happened in the M&A world, you know, and Mm -hmm. then we started to see a pickup and then I think it was in 2015 was a big spike when we had the acquisition of Van Tyle by Berkshire Hathaway. And since then it's been pretty steady until the, the pandemic hit. And then we had this massive spike in 2021, <laughs> I think it was, mm-hmm. where the public company spent about $11 billion on acquisitions compared to 700 million roughly before. And the number of rooftops sold in 2021 was over 700 rooftops compared to before the pandemic, maybe 300, 350 per year we're selling. So this year, I think we'll sell, looks like we're on track to sell over 500 dealerships across the country, mm-hmm. which is 75% higher than what it was before the pandemic. So consolidation is still definitely happening. The pricing is still very robust. Buyers, if they complain about the rates, they just pull down cash is what we're seeing them do in many cases. And I think there's also some belief that interest rates are high now, but over the next few years, they're likely to go back
1: towards maybe not where they were, but somewhere in between so they can refinance at a lower price later. Interesting stuff. Alan Haig, thanks so much for joining us today on Daily Drive and explaining what's going on in the buy-sell market. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating
2: Producer, Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode includes reporting from our own Michael Martinez, Aji LaForest, and Jack Walsworth. You can get the latest news on the UAW strike, the Pendragon bidding war, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com.
1: If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.